0: Hey, Well, it's really good to be with you again and see so many familiar faces. I, I love just coming back to places because you become like family. Um, I'm really, really bad. I, I, I'm not bad. I'm a good girl. But I have a really great memory. I remember lots of names and I remember lots of faces, I have a little bit of difficulty matching the names to the right faces. So if I get it wrong, please, please forgive me. Um, It's not because I don't value you, it's just a sort of brain fog thing. And uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we were looking back in our diary and uh, it's this time last year that we were last with you, I was really surprised about that because it felt only a few months ago. So the adage must be true that time does go faster the older you get, because I'm a year older. So who testified to that? Does it feel like it's going faster than it used to? It does. And it brings into focus, doesn't it, just how important it is that we use our time well and that we, um, we're aware of time passing because otherwise, one day, it's just gone. It's just gone. So um, anyway, we're really, really glad to be back. And uh, I have a word I hope that will speak to you this morning that I believe is straight from the heart of God. And when, um, <laughs> names and fate, when Mark, <laughs> oh dear, we're in trouble already. When Mark (laughs) shared with me about that little word that he had, I sort of felt like, oh, Lord, you're so good because I've trumped you. When I was seeking the Lord for a word for this year, for this new season, he gave me a word. word. One word. One word. And actually, it ties in so well with the vision that, or the word that the Lord has released to Mark for you as a church for this year. Because without this one word, the rest of the things just can't happen. And the word that, the, that God gave me is Steadfast. Steadfast. And I'm going to try and just flesh that out a little bit in the next few minutes. To He's going to say different things to different people through this same word. Because he's God, and he can do that. It's amazing, isn't it? It's one of the amazing attributes of God. That however many people are in this room now, no good at numbers, I'm not going to try and guess. We can all hear the same message and get something different from it. That's amazing, isn't it? That's like God's economy, isn't it? His economy is incredible. It's a bit like those little um, communion cups that we've just had. I've seen the little cups before, but I've never seen the wafer underneath the cellophane. And when Mark said, let's take the wafer, I'm thinking, I've got a wafer. Where's my wafer? The economy of God's amazing. It's all there for us in the one, in the one place. So I want to start with... Um, just how, how I prepare a little bit, because I think it's quite pertinent to the whole message. And we all hear from God. I mean, Mark was affirming enough to introduce me as a, somebody with a prophetic gift. I'm here to tell you every single one of you has a prophetic gift. It, whether you plug into it is your decision. But we all hear from God. Yeah. My sheep hear my voice. If you're born-again Christian, you have the capacity and the ability to be able to hear him speak. And, you know, one of the failures of church sometimes is that we have encouraged people to come and look for the prophet. Well, you don't want to be looking for the prophet. You want to be looking at Jesus. That's where you want to be looking. And everything comes through or from him, through whoever, So whether it's someone with a microphone, or whether it's the person you're sitting next to, or whether it's you, yourself, we all hear from him. And I hear from him really well when I'm outside. There's something about being in the open spaces, in the open air. Um, I don't know, I get a little bit of sort of brain claustrophobia when I'm trying to seek him and I'm in the confined space. Um, That's not to say he can't speak that well in a confined space, because of course he can. But, so I'm preparing um, to come here and to do other, a few other things in this month. And I'm asking God, you know, what is it that you want to, to share? And I'm walking down a hill near our home, and we live in Cornwall, and we've had reasonably good weather. Cornwall is always very wet, so we're used to rain. But over the last few weeks particularly, it has been seriously windy like real gusts of wind and strong gusts, you know, the sort that sort of blows you off your feet. I mean, I'm just under eight stone. It can take me out. You know, it can take me over. You understand? you ever been in that sort of wind? And as I'm walking down this hill, I'm actually walking with the wind coming up my face. And it's hard. It's really, really hard. You know, and the only way to do it is to put your head down and to really just sort of march forward. And it gets in your ears. And it, if you open your mouth, it takes your breath away. It's really, really hard. And I, I'm, that verse springs to mind that is so familiar to all of us about the wind of the Holy Spirit. The wind blows where it pleases. The wind of the Spirit blows where it pleases. You know, we don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going. But it's coming. It blows where it pleases. And I just had a sense of God sort of speaking through that verse to me in this particular situation, that walking against the wind is just really hard work. But if you turn and you have the wind at your back, that's just like glory. You ever done that? It's amazing. I put my arms up like this because it's just amazing and it blows you along and there's no effort and it's just wonderful and it gets you there quickly wherever you're going. And I heard the Lord say, the wind of my spirit is going to blow through this year with a ferocity that we're just not familiar with. We're not used to. And it's been my experience that I often see in the natural first what I hear in the spiritual. And his, his invitation was, in those gusts of wind when they come, that instead of trying to battle against them, we actually turn and allow that spirit wind to blow us, there will be a grace for huge acceleration, getting us from the place where we are today to the place where he wants us to be. Now the challenge in this is how does that fit into where we think we ought to be going and our plans and our vision and because it may not be the same. It may not be the same and his invitation is will you trust me and allow me to just shift you in this wind or would you prefer to continue with your the plans that you have made that you know for the most part when we make plans for the lord we're doing really well you know we do it out of a good heart we do it out of a genuine desire to build the kingdom but we do sometimes sort of Get in the way of what the way God wants to do things. And we can still go that way. And God is good and He's wonderful and He will bless our plans. But He has, He he says in His Word, I will bless the work of your hands. But He has a better plan. And that's will you allow me to take you? Because we can just get there really, really quickly. Our journey from Cornwall um, is about six and a half, seven hours. I'd have loved that Holy Spirit wind behind us that would get us there more quickly. And a lot of what we have to do is tedious, isn't it? So actually, you know, his help in those areas would be a wonderful thing. So there's a real grace for us, I believe, as we go into this year, that if we would give ourselves over, if we would surrender to that wind, if we would choose to just let go of the striving and maybe let go of some of the control the way that we think we should do it and allow him to do it, there's a real grace for progress. Heavenly progress. And we all want that, don't we? We want to see the kingdom established, don't we? You know, we pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want, isn't it? I've tried earth. I'm not that, you know, I'm not that impressed. You know what I mean? I want to we we want to be different don't we but not for difference's sake we want to look different from the world because we have living within us moving through us the spirit of god we have jesus inside and we want other people to be able to see that so my choice is i'll take the wind even if it's a little bit scary sometimes i'm going to take the wind and I'm just going to let go some of my anchors. Because our anchor really should only be in Jesus, shouldn't it? It's in him, through his word, because that's what he's given us. That's what we have. So that's our anchor. But as I, as I get this revelation from him, I also am a little bit troubled, because I've already heard this word, steadfast, steadfast. And when I think steadfast, what do you think when you think steadfast? Solid? Planted? Any other office? Steadfast? Enduring? Yeah? Yeah? All those things. I think steadfast. I think digging your heels in. You know, I'm not be moved. I'm immovable. I'm just hanging in here. You know, I'm being strong. I'm hanging in here. But here's the Lord telling me to go with the wind of the Spirit. So I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. But then it's like, Lord, you can contradict yourself. Does God contradict himself? No, he can't, can he? So we have to ask, we have to dig deeper. What is it you're saying, Lord? How how does one thing stack up with the other? And I was reminded straight away of Um, the verse in Isaiah 26.3. I I really think that there's something wrong with saying it's one of my favorite verses because it's the Bible, but it is actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible and has been a, a life verse for me, a sustaining verse for me. And in the New King James, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Love that, love the language, love the, it's beautiful. In the NIV, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast. So the staid word is translated as steadfast. And the verse ends with, because he trusts in you. So our ability to be steadfast Our ability to remain stayed is actually born out of our trust in God, in him being who he says he is, in him doing what he says he will do, and his promises being yes and amen, which they are, aren't they? Agreed? Amen to that? Amen. Even if we've not seen it yet, yeah? Amen. So we did a little bit of digging And that word translated steadfast comes from the Hebrew word samak. And that one of the meanings of that word is to lean into and to lean onto, to to, you know, really just let go, let go, go back, let go. Mike, can you just come up for a second? So it's a little bit like this. This is Mike, if any of you don't know him, he's my husband, long, he's very steadfast and patient and enduring in his love for me, which for which I really appreciate him. But, so this Samak thing, can you stand behind me, sweetheart? So the, um, this is steadfastness. Yeah? I trust him. I'm not sure that it was a really sensible thing to do in that instance because he went over there. But this is what God is saying. Will you will you, do this? will you do this? Will you do this? If he let go now I would fall over. If he let go I'd fall. But I trust him and God is inviting us to Samag. Lean in, lean on. Thank you, thank you for not dropping me. <laughs> But it's a, good, it's a good illustration, isn't it? Because I would have fallen and it would have been a hard Ford. I've got funny shoes on. It would have been a horrible fall, you know. But that's God's invitation to us. Leaning against him. And that trust, you know, seriously, if he never gave me another word to preach... If all I ever did for the rest of the time I'm alive when I'm speaking to people is encourage people to trust him, that would be enough. Because it's an area, we say it, but actually when push comes to shove, for all sorts of really understandable reasons, it's a difficult thing for people to do. Isn't it? For lots and lots of reasons, and yet we have in God, in Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, this perfect, perfect Father, this perfect brother, friend, this perfect man, Holy Spirit, this the helper, you know, comes alongside to help, perfect person who will never ever let us down. That's his promise to us. Whatever it looks like, he's an immovable object in our lives. He's not going to not do what he says that he'll do. He is not a man that he can lie. He cannot do it. He cannot let us down. Now we get upset because we don't see things happen sometimes in the time frame that we'd expected. We get frustrated, we get despondent, we get disillusioned. Who's been there? How many honest people do we have in the room today? You know, we've all been there at some time. but it doesn't change who God is. That's our stuff. God is God, is God, is God. It's God. So then, if we're, if we're trusting in him, and if we're going with the wind, being allowing ourselves being, to be blown along by the wind of his spirit, what happens to our plans and our vision and all, the, all those good planning meetings we've done and all the initiatives we've got and all the you know, what happens to those things? Are they just wiped out? Well, I, I don't think they are. Not remotely, I don't think that's what God's asking us to do. And I looked then into the New Testament, and I looked at Hebrews 12, right at the beginning in verse 1, where the writer to the Hebrews is talking about um, running with endurance the race that is set before us. And that word endurance in the Greek is hyponymy. And the meaning of that word, one of the meanings of that word, is steadfastness, running with steadfastness. Yeah? Because the key in this is not the, the dug-in heels that just refuse to, to bend. It's the looking to Jesus. Let's just look at that verse. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So whether he's asking us to dig our heels in and sometimes he will, or whether he's moving us out of our comfort zone, taking us in a slightly different direction maybe to the one that we had thought, maybe asking us to let go of some of those Plans and ideas and things that, you know, we really worked hard at. Maybe. But looking to him, we will be steadfast. Amen? Does that make sense? Thank you, Jesus. So to remain steadfast in the, in the, the, the rigors of everyday life... And life's tough, isn't it, sometimes? Everybody agree with that? Life is tough, you know, and staying patient endurance, like, oh, dear, seriously, can be hard, can't it? But to stay steadfast in the face of all that, we need to be so aware of who we're fixing our eyes on. Looking to Jesus, who we're listening to, what's affecting our vision, what's affecting our hearing. So, so aware of that. And it's an area of our trust where our trust gets attacked by things. Because our trust can get eroded by disappointment, can't it? Our trust can get eroded by um, things that we believe we should have seen and we haven't seen yet. Our trust can be eroded by other people, can't it, when things don't go the way that we think that they should do. Our trust can get eroded because our relationships aren't working out right. Our trust can get eroded by the lies that we believe about ourselves, I'm not seeing what I thought I'd see because I'm not good enough. You ever heard God tell you that you're not good enough? Anyone ever heard that? I am so pleased. Because he's not going to tell you that, ever. Even when we're not good enough. <laughs> Who knows that sometimes they don't make the mark. What, what's, God, what's God's response to that? It's, oh, Liz, Liz. Let's look at that again. Remember that bit in the, we were talking about this the other day, the bit about Martha and Mary, where Jesus is admonishing Martha. And, you know, we sometimes interpret that as he's getting at her for her busyness. She's distracted because she's so busy. But the scripture actually says, Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things. Worry erodes our trust in him. It erodes our trust in him. So keeping our eyes and our ears focused on the right thing and getting our vision oh, just pristine, crystal clear you know, is God, this is a word from the Lord. You know, he wants his children to have 20-20 vision. Seriously, and better. Yeah, that's what he's, he's aiming for. We get that almost in direct proportion to where we are putting our eyes, Are our eyes on Jesus. That will clear our vision. I have this thing, some of you may have it. Um, I get lots of floaters in front of my eyes. You, anybody else get this? I'm not going to do a medical thing here, but you know it happens. But I also get sometimes this um, thing where on the periphery, I sort of see um, flashing lights that, and they're here somewhere. Anybody else get that? Yeah, you get that? I think God wants to deal with this. I think it's our morning. Anyway, but I get that and I get it to such an extent that sometimes I turn my head to try and sort of move the... You know, what is that? What is that? But of course, you can't see it then because it's always on the periphery of your vision. That's where disappointment has to live. Not here, but out here somewhere. Yeah? So we're not looking at it. We're not focusing on it. Every now and again, we may look at some of those promises. We may look at those unfulfilled prophetic words. We may look at our dreams and we may go back to God and inquire of him and say, look, I haven't seen this. I'm sure I heard you promise this. I haven't seen it. And he may speak to us in that moment. And if he does, then that's wonderful. If he doesn't, put it back over here. It shouldn't be here. It's a crippler. It's a real crippler. And it will, it will completely render us incapable of staying steadfast because you know the other thing that one of the qualities of that steadfastness should be joy life should be joyful life should be joyful even in the midst of trial even in the midst of pain life should be joyful why because he's in us and he's the bringer of joy, isn't he? Wow. And joy looks like something, the same as love look like, looks like something. It's not being silly. Well, we can be silly. Silly's good, you know, but we can be, often you hear about joy and it's, oh, everybody has to giggle on cue. It's not like that. But it's, a, it's an in you thing, isn't it? It's like, actually, it's okay. You know, it's reef. Finding the wonder. Do you want the wonder of Jesus in your life? I want the wonder of Jesus in my life. And I don't just want the wonder of Jesus in my life when I see those great crashing, breaking waves that we live on the coast where we live, or when I see mountains and they're in their grandeur, or, you know, I don't just want that wonder, the wonder of a starry sky and I want wonder in the little things. I want wonder in the everyday. I, I love the wonder that Mike stayed where he was and he didn't drop me, yeah? I want wonder, isn't it amazing, Lord, that we're here? Yeah? I want to live in that place. And do you know what? I think I've got to the point where I don't care if it looks silly. I actually don't care. I am on a journey to discipline and train myself to find the wonder wherever I am whatever I'm doing because it's there isn't it it's really there and there's a there's a worship song you may have heard it may I never lose the wonder I want to live wide-eyed yeah because it's there and it gives rise to thankfulness. And thankfulness is, a, is, a, is something that enables us to step out and to step into things. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. So let's, let's decide to keep those things that would keep us from living in that place over there somewhere. And to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In all situations, in all circumstances. To trust him, to know that he's there. Because that way lies that peace. That perfect peace that God says that he will give to those whose mind is stayed on him, whose mind is steadfast. Everybody know who I'm talking about if I mention Madame Guillaume? Yeah? Love this little quote from her. don't often do quotes, but I really like this. It spoke to me. She said, if a canvas is unsteady, the artist is unable to paint an accurate picture upon it. How many artists have we got in the room? There's more than that. You may not know you're an artist. I'm saying this prophetically. If you, you know, there are artists in this room. Anyway, if a canvas is unsteady, the artist is unable to paint an accurate picture upon it. The same is true of you. Every movement of the self produces error. The activity of the self interrupts and defeats the design which Jesus Christ wishes to engrave upon you. Because our journey is surrender, isn't it? We die to self every day, don't we? It's a, yeah. You must instead simply remain at peace. So this letting go, this going with the spirit, you know, part of that is just letting go of self. It's letting that stuff shrivel and die. And it's a journey, you know, we're all on it. It's a journey. I'm not standing here saying, I've got this all taped. I tell you, I have so much self that raises its head every single day. Well, but my peace comes letting that go and just focusing on Jesus. So it coming into land here. So having looked at those two verses, I then thought about that word steadfast again and I thought, well, I wonder what the English dictionary says about this word. I like words. Anybody else like words? Yeah. And uh, I looked in Merriam-Webster and uh, one of the definitions was firmly fixed in place, immovable. Well, I'm not sure that's really true in this context because we've already examined that Holy Spirit might want to move us in slightly different directions. So our immovability is not standing our ground in terms of staying in the same place. It's our immovability is not allowing ourselves to be hijacked by anything other than Jesus. Anything other than Jesus. Is a firm in belief, determination, adherence, or loyalty. But this was the bit that really interested me. Because there's a little footnote, and it said, Steadfast has held its ground for many centuries. Its old English predecessor, I may mispronounce this, Steeder-faced, combined steed, which meant stead, or place, and faced, which means firmly fixed. And the word was first used in battle contexts to describe warriors who stood their ground, which led to its immovable sense. That sense gave way to the word's use as an adjective implying unswerving faith, loyalty, or devotion. And that's what we're talking about in our steadfastness, unswerving faith, aren't we? And I thought it's interesting that uh, the battle um, connotation, because we are in this mammoth battle. Who's aware we're in a battle? That there's a spiritual battle going on, yeah? The good news is we win. Who knows we win that battle, yeah? But we are in it, you know, it is happening. It is happening. And um, this quality of steadfastness gets us through the battle to victory in better shape than if we didn't have it. You know, when we get the victory, I want to be, yay, hallelujah. I don't want to be all bandaged and have a, you know, do you know what I mean? I want to be whole when I'm giving that praise, victory praise. And we are in this battle, and it's really important that we're aware of that, and that this, this invitation from God to steadfastness, which begins with our simply trusting in him, is because he wants us to get through the battle well. I want to finish well. Who wants to finish well? You know, And for those of us who are sort of getting older, it just becomes more pertinent, you know? I want to finish really well seriously well because because it looks like something because it doesn't look like an an inevitable end where my body breaks down and I lose my will yeah, I'm just waiting you know I want to be praising at the end you know oh that's how we yeah I want to be praising at the end i'm talking to myself here this is great i want to be praising at the end so yeah steadfast it's a battle a battle thing and it is our watch word steadfast it's our watch word for this season and our steadfastness will be dictated to by our level of trust in him That leaning back, leaning into, leaning onto, being so aware that he's there. You know, I think about leaning in and leaning onto. I use those words a lot. To me, it's so descriptive. It's almost like, like leaning into is like, I want to get inside you. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean that irreverently, but it's almost like, I just want to be so close, God. I just want to be so close, like I could unzip you and just sort of get inside it's okay to have these things, you know. Let's not, get, let, let's not get hijacked by thinking that, you know, we have to have some super spiritual language to describe our relationship with God. We really don't. It's how we understand it best. And that's the closeness that I want. So our watchword is steadfast. Our trust is the thing that will enable us to stay steadfast. You remember that little um, hook that was going around? I think it was John Wimber years ago, and he said faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Remember that? Great. It's a great little hook, isn't it? And we all go, oh, yeah, that's really good. But you know, And it is. But I was thinking about that through last summer, and I thought, you know, I think that's a spelling mistake, actually. I think I'd go so far. I'm sure John Wimber would listen to me if he was here. He might not agree, but... I think faith is spelt T-R-U-S-T, and I think it's trust that gives rise to faith. Without trust, our faith is just an empty thing. It's meaningless, isn't it? When we trust, we are enabled to move in faith because we trust him. Yeah? So our trust enables it. Our peace maintains it. And here's the, you know, the, more, the most difficult thing in it all. It's our surrender that guarantees it. It's that it's just about you, Lord. What do you want to do in me? Am I carrying something that I'm not prepared to let go of? It's that letting go, it's that surrender, it's that willingness to put all of our gaze, all of our focus away from ourselves and onto Jesus and to trust him for the fruit that that will produce in our lives. And that is his invitation to us this morning, I believe.